My name is Charles Xavier. Please sit down. It's me. Prove it. You're a dick. We are the future, Charles, not them. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Why do you ask questions to which you already know the answers? I will always be there, old friend. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I am joined by Robert and uh, uh, Peachert here <laughs> to talk all things X-Men The Last Stand. Boy, this is going to be a fun one. Peachert, uh, my dad is Cubert. Did you know that? I was going to say Peachert needs to go in the laundry as soon as possible. He kind of looks like a peach. Uh, why are we here? <laughs> I don't know. Look, maybe on the bright side, recording this podcast can't possibly be as bad as having to watch this movie. Jealousy turning saints into the sea. You said bright side. Can we do a review on Mr. Brightside? Sure, go ahead. Did you know that for some reason the uh, University of Michigan student section adopted Mr. Brightside as the like official song for the stadium. I know the band plays it. Yes. And everyone in the student section screams it. Like Weird. it's a Michigan it is a Michigan like adopted song for some at sports games. It's a song about a Dang. jealous boyfriend. Could you imagine <laughs> being at the Michigan Stadium and they're all singing this song? Yes. It'd be crazy. It'd give me chills. <laughs> It would be a Michigan chiller. It, I've been in that situation, and I was I Michigan chilled to the bone. <laughs> I feel like we should warn everybody because we, like, you know, you probably, if you've listened to this show more than twice, you probably know that we, like, we do have notes that we follow. Uh, but we don't typically talk too much in advance about our kind of, like, ad-libbed and segue things. And I feel like that this is just going to be a shit fest. <laughs> like, yeah, if you like this movie, maybe don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to be honest. I don't think I've ever met a single person that does like this movie. It's because the movie's off. Right. I'm sure they exist, but like, so I, my, I won't spoil it. My lowest rated movie is Eternals, but I have met people who like Eternals. <laughs> I'm married to one of them. Correct. True. Um, I think the lowest before that was Icarus? Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know people that like that movie. You married to Icarus? That's right. Wow. I wish I was. I don't think I've ever met a single person that liked uh, The Last Stand. And I'll say, going into it, I was like, it's probably got some redeemable qualities. And spoiler alert, everybody yeah. doesn't. Well, <laughs> listen, I, I also thought maybe it was one of those things like Spider Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, where we would go back and mm -hmm. be like, you know what? This movie wasn't that bad we after that all. Spider-Man 3, too. And like we, yeah. Like, like we didn't call Spider-Man 3 great, but we're like, this is better than its reputation. Yeah, and this was just like, no, we were right. We nailed it. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly, <laughs> it, it got what it deserved and maybe deserved even more. Right. <laughs> Uh, today we're going to talk about X-Men The Last Stand, written by Simon Kinberg and Zach Penn, directed by Brett Ratner. It's also super weird seeing it on your DVD shelf. I just locked eyes yeah. with it. Like Isn't They're, it they're all right there in front of me. So I'll talk about that too. Um, I, Long story short, the company that I work for has decided to give us Disney Plus for free, um, and that has caused a little bit of, for me, 
it won't activate for a few days. So I don't have access to Disney Plus for free through the company that I work for. Yeah, it took them two years. So I'm watching on, I had to watch on DVD today. That was an interesting experience because it's been a while since I think I've watched something on a DVD and I had forgotten about like the gimmicks that were on a DVD. So when you watch <laughs> yeah. The Last Stand on DVD, before you watch it, first off, there's trailers for other movies. What are, Do you remember what trailers? Oh, no. Um, it actually wouldn't be hard. I might turn it on and we can watch the trailers while we're recording. <laughs> They're better than the movie. Because we're in my living room um, and it's still in there. But I, no, I can't remember. It was not movies that I want to watch. Then, before you watch, it makes you pick a side. So you can either um, take a stand or join the Brotherhood at the start. And I didn't join the Brotherhood to see what that does, but I think it's just a different color scheme in the menu. Then there's like a full 15-second CG-like intro that of just shapes before you actually get to the menu. <laughs> Then the first thing the menu pre-selects, so if you hit OK instead of moving to scene selection or deleted scenes or commentary or play the movie, the thing it wants you to do is watch a preview clip of the Simpsons movie. Oh, (laughs) also sounds better than the movie. (laughs) And it was just a weird moment in time revisit for like, oh yeah, DVDs were interesting. And there's a lot I miss about dvds like i miss the the cool features that were on a dvd but also i really just wanted to get into the movie and not go through everything it made me go through before i got to watch do you know what dvd menu is seared in my brain forever no shrek because i don't remember uh, okay let me let me re-specify there is one specific part of the dvd menu that i remember forever i don't remember what happens before this but when you click play on the shrek dvd the three little pigs go, play the movie. Yeah, play. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, DVDs were weird. Yeah. But the the Lord of the Rings extended edition DVDs, I wish there were more things like that in the world. Like, that's the DVD that I think of when I think of how great DVDs were. Because, hmm. I mean, those were, it was hours and hours of content. Five different commentaries on every movie with different segments of the film. Like, those were fantastic. Did you... Uh, the first time I ever watched a DVD with commentary, I didn't realize that the commentary version was playing, and it scared the shit out of me because <laughs> some random man was now talking over the film, and I was by myself. I have never watched a film with commentary. Yeah, it's kind of really, strange. I really like commentaries. Um, I can't remember the first one I watched, but I just thought, this is weird. People are just talking to me about the movie but i kind of like it yeah as a guy who is uh one third of a podcast uh talking about movies it's weird listening to a guy talk about movies while you're trying to watch the movie (laughs) i'm also gonna add i had um the second rogue squadron game had a commentary so they would be there was a a studio commentary on the levels as you would play through them weird it was that was actually really cool now because Hmm. I say weird, but if they right. had that for God of War, I'd be oh yeah. shit. So that's kind of my thing. Watch do the shit out of that. I would do the commentary on on other games. Um, what just happened? I'm sorry. We we've got the TV on in the background, mm-hmm. and Ronda Rousey is a character in Raid Shadow Legends. Okay, <laughs> she was a character in the most recent Mortal Kombat. I saw that. That's weird. She was Sonya Blade. Yeah, but she was Sonya. She was voice acting and probably mo-capping as Sonya. Yeah. She wasn't the character. That's fair. 
I, I want to know sorry. why Ronda, Ronda Rousey doesn't use her fire powers in the uh, in the actual octagon. Yeah, same. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. That was just wild. No, no. What no. what year is it? So in a flashback, 20 years ago, <laughs> Professor Charles Xavier and Eric Lushner arrived at the Gray Residence to meet Jean Grey for the first time. Let's start right here. Boy, this de-aging is Thank fucking you. weird. I was about to ask. <laughs> I was yeah. A, it was a big deal at the time. and Probably. In, in uh, that literally the first thing in my notes, I was about to interrupt you. <laughs> um, it was a big deal at the time. In wide shots, it's okay, but it is not okay in close ups. Why did they it, need to do that to prove they could? <laughs> uh, like, can you ask why did they need to do that repeatedly throughout the course of this podcast? Because I was I think planning on the, it. That's yes. the theme of this movie: is why did they need to do that? I, I mean, I guess to. Mi- I think you understand that it's a flashback because there's a title card that says some time ago or however many years ago, whatever it says. But also Patrick Stewart is walking, so I think we get it. Like, I don't think you need to add weirds. And then they, like, gave Magneto less wrinkles and better hair. Yeah. Also, the I, him walking part is interesting. When exactly did he... We know when in uh, first class he lost the use of his mm-hmm. legs. But when exactly did he lose the use of his legs like i would assume it would have been before this moment yeah i'm not i'm not sure what their canon was before those movies yeah i don't know i also like in this scene that they skirt around great power with great power comes great responsibility but don't actually say it oh do they yeah he does he says uh when you have awesome powers then you have to be careful how you use those powers oh. and use them. I, I can't remember exactly how he puts it, but it's great power, <laughs> great responsibility, just without saying great power, great responsibility. Gotcha. Are you saying that you love the paraphrasing of great power, great responsibility? I was Contrary not, to your other... I was not saying that. <laughs> okay. That said, I don't think... Using it in a non-Spider-Man movie as a reference, I think is kind of funny. Like, I don't have a big problem with it, but I'm not necessarily saying I liked it. Interesting. So they meet Jean Grey for the first time and they discover her mutant abilities and the professor wishes to teach Jean how to control them so she joins the professor's school. And another flashback, 10 years ago, a young Warren Worthington III discovers his mutant powers beginning to manifest. His father is shocked to find out that his son is only his only son is a mutant, showing what appears to be wings growing from his back. What a brutal scene mm-hmm. of this kid filing down his wings because he's mm-hmm. absolutely sure his dad's a huge bigot and is going to be really pissed that he's mm-hmm. a mutant. And was right about it. Yeah. Also, though, as sad as that scene is, do you guys have any clue if like Angel was supposed to have a bigger role in the movie? Because okay. there's like they, you could cut out every Angel scene. I was wondering when we we're going to bring this up because I think that's true. What, of- what's the line I'm supposed to say? Why did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that's the case of a lot of the mutants in this movie. Yeah, and like Kitty Pride. We'll just talk about it now, so we don't have to talk about it over and over again. Kitty Pride is in this movie, and it's she's a very famous X Men. It makes sense, but she's also it's weird how they use her in this movie because they use her as rogue. Even though rogue is still in this movie, just yeah. barely. Like, I, I don't know if that was, I feel like something must've been weird right. with Anna Paquin because exactly. she was like, I'm going her. She was just in the movie to be like, I'm going away for a while. And then she comes back. Yes. And so they use Kitty pride. And it's funny because we talked about in the first episode that, Oh, well the, you know, that's, it's interesting because they used rogue the way they would use Kitty pride in the comics. And then now they're using Kitty pride as the way they used Rogue, as the way they used Kitty Pride, <laughs> But then also, they give her a lot, but don't 
develop her almost as though they're just expecting you to accept her as the stand-in for rogue then they got colossus they don't really develop colossus who Be- now has right. the power to touch someone else and right. make them metal yeah beast i they i guess they use beast okay no Oh, that was Rogue specifically. That was Rogue. Oh, Rogue was yes. absorbing. And he touched Rogue, okay. and she absorbed his powers yes. so that she would also. Okay. I also had that same thought. I was like, wait a second. That's Rogue. And that ma- he that actually makes sense. He didn't suffer at all, though. He didn't look like it was hurting him. He's just Russian. Oh. So okay. he, he, he can take more that's before a, he That's says, a tolerable amount yeah. of pain for him. Yeah. But essentially, this movie added, added Beast, Katie Pride, Colossus, Juggernaut, um... And uh, an angel. Do you know who that is? That's the juggernaut, bitch. (laughs) You silly. Way to ruin. Silly weapons cannot harm him. Way to ruin a a really fun meme. (laughs) So they add these super important X Men. Like these are some of the most important X Men characters and mutants, and kind of, but then utilize them to various degrees of success. I I think they did okay with Beast. I I actually really liked Beast in this movie. If there's one thing I enjoyed about this movie, it was Beast. The only redeeming quality. So that is all to say, Peaches, that I agree. It feels like it's like Angel was a founding X-Men. And so I was just going to ask that. I was going to ask if he's important outside of this movie. He's very. So they bring in Angel, and it does seem like he was supposed to have a bigger part, but then he doesn't. Um, His scene is important but he as a character isn't and it's underutilizing yeah, angel i is this scene important because he has like th- four three maybe he's got this really sad one in the beginning and near the end he saves his dad and before that he shows up at the mansion the second scene has it's giving vibes of toby Maguire spider-man in front of the american flag when he's like, no, don't inject me with that. And then his wings like bust him free from the restraints. And then there's just like a 10 second shot of some dramatic music <laughs> right. playing while he has his wings spread in the room. Right. Yeah, it feels it, like it feels <laughs> like it was like, look, we put Angel in this movie. And then then they forgot. Now, that shut they put, up. Then they forgot <laughs> that they put Angel in the movie yeah. until he had to save his dad. <laughs> yeah. And then because of that, I don't think. That part where he saves his dad is supposed to have an emotional payoff, but I don't think it does because you've forgotten he's in the movie at that point. And it's and his dad does not right. have any redeeming qualities. Right. And they don't build up that relationship. It's just they've established. I don't care that you saved that right. guy. At the end of the movie, we'll probably talk about this again. I talked about this often, but at the end of the movie, we get Magneto going, what have I done? As though they think that that line itself is going to have emotional resonance when it was not earned in any way whatsoever. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing with Angel. At the end, it's like there's supposed to be this emotional resonance of a saving his father, but that was not earned. We did not work on their relationship. We did not give his father redeeming values. And, oh, God, I'm lowering my rating. <laughs> you, I want everybody that's listening to this to know that Robbie said, probably jokingly, but he said this nonetheless, pre-recording, that maybe as we're talking about this, his rating will go up. <laughs> He's already not even a, a two minutes worth of movie into the movie saying it's going to go down now. Also, I appreciate that y'all keep bringing up the exact same things that I hated. It's very vindicating. I'm selfish. I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> At Xavier's school, sometime in the not-too-distant future, some of the X-Men and the students are fighting in some apocalyptic battle as a training session in the X-Men's Danger Room. The members include Shadowcat, Iceman, Colossus, and Rogue, led by Storm and Wolverine. The session ends with Wolverine decapitating a sentinel robot. 
I don't know if I just have a problem with main characters because I I disliked Iron Man at the beginning of the MCU and stuff. I find Wolverine insufferable. Oh, oh God! In this movie, in this or mo- in this movie altogether? And, um, I thought he was fine in X two. Okay, I thought specifically X two he was fine. The first movie he's awful. This movie he is also insufferable, and I'm just I pretty much always find X. Wolverine insufferable like in everything he's in I find him insufferable so in that way I think Hugh Jackman is doing a good job in this one though I find him like insufferable and also a bad character that shouldn't exist yeah like like he is he's actively and I'm not mm, not blaming Hugh Jackman he is actively making this movie worse yeah and I can say that about several characters in this it, it's <laughs> tough because he just they, they're clearly trying to really lean into the Wolverine thinks he's too cool for the X-Men so mm-hmm. he like you know he doesn't do he doesn't follow their rules or whatever mm-hmm. but it just makes him come across like as an asshole. He's right. the audience member that thinks superhero movies aren't cool. Right. Yes. Yes. And then hmm. this movie has a scene where he's jumping uh, not his friend but jumping a guy's girlfriend right after she killed him. Like I just oh god. And I know that he, hit in the end, like, no, this isn't right. To be You're fair, not yourself, she but... jumped him. Okay, sure. And he's and he's down. Like, I just... Yes. <laughs> sort of. To be fair, he was always down. Yeah. I will say, uh, this. It, there is one cool part. There, well, no, we already said Beast is cool. There are two cool parts in this movie now, in my bank of X3 cool parts, uh, where Colossus picks Wolverine up and throws him. Mm-hmm. And that's cool because it's a comic mm-hmm. thing. It's like the what is it the cannonball throw is what they mm-hmm. uh, is something they call it I think that's close, but that's like a signature combo from them. Cyclops is still grieving over the death of Jean Grey and leaves the X Men for a while, leaving Wolverine to cover his teaching position. We then meet the secretary of the Department of Mutant Affairs, Hank McCoy, aka Beast, a former member of the X-Men. He is told by the president in Trask that Magneto's right-hand woman, Mystique, is now in custody and a mutant cure is currently in development. Uh, this is where we get the the scene with Mystique in the interrogation room, correct? Mm-hmm. I need to talk about what is perhaps <laughs> the worst line... Oh, that happens already? Yes. yes. I need to talk about what is perhaps the worst line in Ugh. any superhero movie ever. And this is worse than he wasn't he was your father but he wasn't your daddy. Do you think uh, it's worse than um I'm reinstating um was that thing that Oh, ro- Prima Nocta? Prima Nocta? Oh god. I think it is worse. They're both bad, but I think it is worse. It's pretty close, I think. Damn, that you right. That is pretty close. <laughs> here's Now here's part of what i will say makes this one worse is this one was said with a straight face like i'm reinstating prima nocta is maybe a bad joke but it was a joke this is not a joke yeah this is taken 100 percent seriously yeah i don't know this is pretty bad uh so they're talking to mystique and they call mystique raven which is the name that she was given at birth and she said i don't respond to my slave name I don't want to leave you hanging, but I don't know how to respond. Good God. Yeah, it's real cringe. Just what the hell? Even by 2006 standards, that was a bad choice. Yes. Yeah. It's the worst thing. <laughs> it's so awful. I, I, I don't know if they were like, 
if they had thesaurus.com open in the next window when they were writing this seed and they were like, uh, use the first thing that you point at with no, your no, eyes closed. Well, no, I think the problem is that they, so the X-Men, we've talked about this before, but it was originally created as like a a metaphor or a, a mirroring of the civil rights movement. Sure, yeah. And it, then it morphed into gay rights. Um, and I think the creators of this movie knew that and took it clearly several steps too far. Oh, I mean, the movie is already about the whole, like, um, like it's a very clear parallel to, the, like, immersion therapy mm-hmm. or convert immersion, conversion therapy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, like, that's clear. But, yeah, I don't, I, this was, <laughs> this was ter- a terrible decision. I, like, I don't even know, I don't have anything creative to say about it other than it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just awful. And uh, I'm glad stuff like that is not in movies anymore, even though this pre-monoctoline also pretty awful. And many years later. Yes. Beast turns up at the mansion to inform the X-Men about this mutant cure. Turn up. When the cure is announced to mutants who wish to fit in with society, Rogue is very interested. She wishes to get rid of her powers so she can finally touch people and continue her relationship with Iceman. This announcement of the cure has caused an uproar with many mutants. Some wish to take it, some refuse. But Magneto believes that the cure is intended uh, to wipe out all of mutant kind. He persuades a team called the Omegas, led by Callisto, to help him build an army and fight to save their kind. But first, he needs Mystique. Also, he apparently completely forgot who Toad is. Because he doesn't say a fucking word to him. Yeah, he's like crawling on the ceiling <laughs> yeah, for a second. He's like there. He's like, oh, look, it's Toad, my old buddy. No, he doesn't acknowledge him at all. He didn't die in the lightning blast. <laughs> he was fine. It, In fact, what happens to a Toad when it gets struck by lightning is not the same thing <laughs> that one. happens to everything else. Also, I'd forgotten that was in here when I was talking about, does she just kill Toad? So I guess the answer is no. Also, I don't. Did, did you guys know who those mutants were, or were they made for the movie? Or I don't know the names. Some of them are mutants that I do recognize. Um, the guy it, with the spikes reminded me of Spike. From he was more of like evolution. A, he was more of like a porcupine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, who is that actor? Because he looks he looked really familiar to me. He's in stuff. <laughs> he was in um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Wish. the third Pirates of the Caribbean. Is he one of the pirate lords? No, he's um, he's like on the he's like the part of the crew of the like, the guy that Elizabeth becomes a, huh, a captain of. I'll I'll look it up later, but yeah, I didn't know any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna complain about one of them later too. So <laughs> sick. <laughs> At Worthington Labs on Alcatraz Island, Beast arrives to meet the source of the cure, a young boy named Jimmy, a.k.a. Leech. And Leech is someone who is, like, not very popular, but, like, someone who's in, like, Marvel Comics mm-hmm. and stuff that we've seen before. And Marvel Snap. And he will take away all the powers of all cards in your hands, <laughs> and it's really annoying. Uh-huh. Um, he doesn't look like how Leech normally looks, but that's fine. I yeah. don't think this... No, he looks like 11. Yes, he does. <laughs> Maybe he will grow into the green skin. Maybe. You know? He's young. 
Cyclops arrives at Alkali Lake and is stunned to find Jean Grey alive. They have a brief, tender moment until Jean suddenly kills him. Okay, so hold on. <laughs> That's just so zero to one hundred. It is even worse than that makes it sound because they don't actually show her kill him. Like they clearly something is happening. But then they don't show what happens to him. They just later show his glasses floating. Then, unless I missed it, they don't even really talk about it. They don't talk about the field leader of the X-Men just got killed by another X-Man. They don't talk about it, except in one scene, Charles just gives a throwaway line. Look what you did to the man you love. This is important, and it's just handled off screen. They They kill Skies... Oh, God. They kill Cyclops off screen with a kiss. Like, I just... Started what out the with a hell kiss. is yeah. going on? How did it end Peach, up like say this? It, say it, Peach. Why did they do Why it? Why did they do this? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Is- I wonder if both Scott or uh, James Marsden and Anna Paquin were like, "Yeah, we'll do it, but we don't want to do this movie." So, okay, right. There's two things here. One is I think probably something like that, but they definitely like ki- just killing off Cyclops is a really big deal and unnecessary, and one of the things that makes this movie worse. But then if they're gonna kill him, they why did they do it this way? Because they what? spent all their budget on her exploding Professor X. They, they didn't I could also a- make an argument that they were like, the first movie, hey, you guys are all the stars of this movie. It's a team movie. It's about the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then by the second movie, they were like, actually, Hugh Jackman is the star of these movies. The rest of you need to take a back seat. And some of them probably were like, well, I don't want it. Like, Yeah, I, I could see that. I do remember Halle Berry was a holdout for this movie. Um she got a lot of money and was allowed to cut her hair for it. Like she got to decide what her hair looked like. That was a big fight. That was a decision she made. Yep. It okay. sure was. That's a thing that I remember. <laughs> I, okay, great. I do remember there was some grief over the other stars and Hugh Jackman. And I don't think really directed at Hugh Jackman, but more no. how, how the studio was treating Hugh Jackman. So I think that's part of what's going on. In fact, that's kind of triggering maybe a fake memory of, I think that is he actually something that happened with Anna Packard. was revered by the fans and the studio and then acted the way he acted in this movie? Yes, Peaches, that's Why did that they do happened. that? <laughs> but again, if we decided that Cyclops needs to be sidelined for this movie, first off, I think killing him is dumb. But even if you kill him, what a terrible way to do it. What a terrible, awful way to do it. Like, I just... Maybe he's not oh. dead, Robbie. Maybe he's in the punch dimension. I didn't see this movie in theaters because I was quickly told, like, within the day it was released, not to. And I eventually watched it on like HBO or something. This was when I, I, this is when I hit the point of, oh God, I don't want to continue watching this because I realized how they were handling it. There was, you know, suddenly killing Cyclops after he's done nothing, basically off screen. I'm like, oh no, this movie's going to be bad, bad. And then it just gets worse from here. Apparently, uh, so I was just looking up why mm-hmm. Nightcrawler wasn't in this movie. Oh yeah, oh, Nightcrawler! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Minus, get some more points off of your score. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Alan Cumming, who'd played Nightcrawler in X2, was going to reprise the role despite his discomfort with prosthetic makeup he had to wear for the role, but the cameo was so short, so short, however, that the filmmakers felt the long and costly makeup process was not worthwhile, so he was omitted from the movie. So he was just oh going God. to be a cameo? Yeah. 
See, think of all the great stuff they set up in X2. And then this movie is just like, yeah, fuck all that. X-Men, the official game, explains that Nightcrawler left the X-Men because he didn't appreciate their life of action and violence. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like that we have to use the game as canon for the third movie. To be fair, these X-Men are incredibly violent. They are. Uh, uh, this movie was budgeted at $210 million, which at the time was the most expensive movie ever made. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what did they spend it on? <laughs> that scene with Angel, just his wings outstretched, and exploding the professor. Rebecca Romaine's mystique and James Marsden's Cyclops roles were reduced substantially when this movie was rushed into production and the two cast members okay. had prior scheduling conflicts. Didn't Brian huh. Singer... Wasn't he supposed? Wasn't Brian Singer supposed to direct this, and he left for Superman, and that was part of what? When Brian Singer was going to direct, he and his writers Dan Harris and Michael Daughtry wrote a treatment solely based on the X Men storyline, the Dark Phoenix saga. The deceased Jean Grey returns with a new, more destructive personality called the Phoenix. She would be manipulated into joining the Hellfire Club by their telepathic leader Emma Frost. A three-way battle occurs between the club who want to take over the world, the X Men who want to save their comrade, and Magneto's Brotherhood. Oh, the Phoenix better. at the end. Blah blah. blah. Okay, I didn't say. Halle Berry had initially decided not to reprise her role as Storm this. for this movie, citing lack of character development in the previous two installments and a tense relationship with Brian Singer. However, after Singer's departure and suffering a major box office flop with Catwoman, Berry agreed to return on the condition that her role be expanded. Consequently, in this movie, Storm replaces Cyclops and Professor Xavier as team leader of the X-Men. So that should have been Cyclops. Yes, I don't think originally they were going to kill Cyclops. Right. And it feels obvious. It feels rushed and like, yeah, we just need to do this. But if... <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if the reason it happens off screen is because she kissed him and that wasn't supposed to be his death. And so that's why he doesn't die there. And then it's like they kill him off screen because like, well, we got the kiss scene. Let's just. Uh, yeah, we've already filmed some yeah. at Alkali Lake. So just float his glasses there. I'll bet you that's it. Because that's also, you're right. That's an on location shot. I'll bet you that's why they did it. Man. Gambit was going to appear in this movie and would have I been that. a love interest for Rogue and a rival for Iceman. I remember Similar that. to how Kitty Pryde was Rogue's rival for Iceman's affections. However, 20th Century Fox was developing X-Men Origins Wolverine and stipulated that no mutant could appear in both movies, and so Gambit was removed from the script. Channing Tatum was in the running for the role before it was removed. I remember this. I thought that was just a fan cast, but that's like a historically Mm -hmm. accurate fan cast? That's a thing that I remember. Well, and that's a movie that was going to be made. It was greenlit. Yeah. And has since been shelved, but he still wants to do the role. Yeah. Good lord. Imagine all the characters that are already in the movie, plus Nightcrawler and Emma Frost and Gambit. Brian Singer's plans for this movie before his departure were to feature the Jean Grey resurrection plotline and to introduce the characters of Emma Frost and Gambit. (laughs) Singer wanted Sigourney Weaver to play Emma Frost and Mm. Keanu Reeves to play Gambit. Mm. I don't like either of those castings. Really? Interesting. I love Sigourney Weaver as Emma Frost. Oh, my God. You do? Yes. Uh, I mean, I haven't read a lot of X-Men comics yet, so maybe they sync up well. I just don't picture Sigourney as Well, I'm sure that. she wouldn't have, you know, short, curly black hair. Well, I know, but 
Okay, here's, just, a, here's another one. The maneuver where Colossus grabs Wolverine and throws him at something, spinning around a few times to gain momentum, is known as the Fastball Special. Fastball Special. And is an iconic move in the X-Men saga. The Fastball Special in the movie is based on John Cassidy's Amazing X-Men number six. So I had the word ball correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked it. about how when the first movie came out, X-Men was one of the most important fictional properties in on the planet. And X2 had only made that more true like they were doing a good job imagine having something this valuable and then doing this with it letting it get to this point like it would probably was worth it to you to like stop and say no this is a mess we need to fix this or we're gonna absolutely screw up this property that we own i this is stunningly inept hollywood stuff i am struggling because football is on the tv to think of an example other than that uh Patriots Falcons Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> yes. Twenty eight to three. This is the twenty eight to three of the movie world. <laughs> I'm sorry to any oh no, Cody. I'm so sorry, Cody. <laughs> but this is the twenty eight to three of the film Sincerely world. are bad for that <laughs> reference, Cody. Do you know what I think of when I think of that Super Bowl by the way? I think of your constant statuses in the first half trolling Patriots fans. I have um <laughs> I've spent the last year deleting most of my Facebook uh, just because I wanted to delete the thing outright, but um, it turns out that a lot of other accounts in the year 2023 of our Lord, I said that in the wrong order, um, and even before that, like connect to Facebook as your login. So if I delete my Facebook, then I have to, you know, mess with a bunch of blah, blah, blah. You get it. Um, but over the last year, I have looked at every status that I have ever made. And I thought to myself, wow, why was I such a football troll? I don't even, I like football, but I don't love football. But I was constantly like, hey, Patriots fans, are you crying today? Like every time, every time a bad thing happened, I would just shit on the Patriots on Facebook. And I don't know where my head was at, but. The two things I think of when I think of that Super Bowl (laughs) are you and Cody. Because, oof, Cody and I went out to eat a little while after that. And it was not, he was not in a good place. (laughs) I just, I don't remember what game it was, but there was a Patriot loss and the week before, some of our more braggy coworkers were being shitty online, and I just made yep. some like, "Hey, Patriots fans, I didn't watch the game last night. Can you tell me what happened?" <laughs> like, that's the kind of asshole I was about it. But I, I just don't understand why. Uh, maybe that specific you, cast member that we I all remember, know who I'm talking about. I remember what just, the Patriots <laughs> fans we knew back then were like. So, yes. like, I understand why you were doing. It, it. was probably just uh, like I. The annoyance was too far, and I was like, no, I'm playing this game too. As a Texas Rangers fan, though, I will always be afraid of fumbling the lead. So Mm. I will never talk until... Really, I probably won't talk at all, but I'm definitely not talking until it's over. (laughs) All right, where were we? I don't Uh, know. Scott Scott died off screen. Scott died, maybe. The X-Men sense his demise (laughs) and head over to Alkaline. God, I hate when I sense demise. That's like 90% of my existence. Damn. Wolverine and Storm show up at the lake and find Jean Grey alive and unconscious, but no sign of Cyclops. Later in the school's infirmary, Xavier tells Logan that Jean surpri- survived Excuse me, with the help of a strong power called the Phoenix. Oh. He had spent years keeping it in check to make sure the Phoenix never reemerges or otherwise Jean would become dangerous. Wolverine is unsure about this and stays by Jean's side. Wolverine is incredibly angry about this despite the fact that like he already has basically learned what this can do but then also professor xavier's i don't have to explain myself least of all to you 
it's just incredibly out of character. Like, it doesn't sound like it was delivered by Charles Xavier. Like, what is that line? This movie is full of this. You know, you know what it is? Lines. It is a one-to-one comparison of when um, that one actor who played Dumbledore died and then the next actor took over. Yes. And you see the book that it says, Dumbledore calmly asked Harry, did you put your name in the goblet? And the actor was like, Harry, did you put your name in that goblet? You know what I'm learning as we revisit these movies is that I think that I might get murdered by the universe for this. I think that Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, and Ian McKellen get a lot of unnecessarily good praise for their roles in these movies when all three of these characters have a lot of really shitty moments. I was prepared to talk about this. I don't think it's on the three of them. I think it's on this movie and it's directing and it's writing. Hold on. So I definitely wanted to talk about this at some point because I agree with you that the three of them have terrible moments in this movie. But we've seen them now in two other movies have good moments. And we obviously know that Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are good actors. Um, I don't think he think Hugh Jackman is on their level. But I think he's done a great job with Wolverine in other movies. In this movie, I think it's the writing and the directing. I think like this is a line. I don't think Patrick Stewart's delivery of the line is... Okay. Would all, I think any way he delivered that line would be terrible. Because it was a line that was not... That was written for another character. This movie is sure. full of these lines that were just written because they thought they sounded good and didn't stop to think, does this sound like it's in character? In a couple scenes, Magneto is going to deliver this, you're not one of us anymore. And the way he delivers it, the the, the smarm and the weirdness, just sounds like someone different. And I don't think it's that Ian McKellen is suddenly a bad actor in this movie. I think this movie is directed and written horribly. Also, probably at some point you realize, nah, this is garbage. I'm not going to try anymore. I think we're lucky that, I think, okay, even though what I just, I believe what I just said is true. I think we're lucky that the public image of these three characters was positive Mm -hmm. because later when we learned how to write and direct X-Men movies better than this one, we get Logan. Right, we get mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and Logan, and those are top notch. Like, I'm glad we had those actors for that. But if you look at this original trilogy, like we talked about in X one and two, how Patrick Stewart is kind of like a trolley asshole, <laughs> and then in this one he just becomes an actual asshole. Yes. <laughs> like, and how Hugh Jackman is kind of like not great not well wolverine's character is like not great throughout these three movies for any number of reasons that we've talked about on the show like i don't know what maybe it was just because by comparison there weren't really other great superhero movies and they were the cream of the crop at the time but they weren't good (laughs) like i remember when this one came out was spider-man 3 before this or after this I think Spider Man Three, I think, was two thousand and eight. Right? Wasn't Spider Man Three two thousand eight? Oh wow! This was definitely the moment that I started thinking, "Wow, they really can't do superhero movies. This is going to be bad." Like that, and and this is when a lot of superhero movies were being announced. And this movie just made me think, "Yep, they can't do this." Like the first two Spider Man movies and the first two X Men movies were just accidents. Like this is not going to go well. God. I'm going to be interested to see when we move on to the next iterations of Charles Xavier mm-hmm. and um, Eric Leshner to see kind of how we feel about those performances because they're very, very, very different. 
their takes on James McAvoy and um, I don't remember the Magneto. Michael Fassbender. Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender's takes on Magneto and Professor X are very different. Yes. I remember liking them. I also remember liking them. I remember really liking X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past. I like yeah. them both. Fassbender, I think, is on a different level. Like Fassbender, I think, is is a fantastic Magneto. Uh, McAvoy is more like an interesting character, but not quite the perfect Professor X. Mm-hmm. But because we don't really see young Professor X that often, it doesn't feel jarring. Yeah. But if I had, if I had, when McAvoy starts playing older, balder, experienced Professor X, it starts being a little weird. I agree. <laughs> older, balder. <laughs> uh, I mean, ain't that the truth? That's right? my that's my subtitle. <laughs> Peaches, older and balder. <laughs> At the Worthington Labs building in San Francisco, Worthington's son Warren arrives to take the cure, but changes his mind at the last minute. He breaks free and flies away to New York with his big feathered wings. <laughs> <laughs> with the help of Callisto, Magneto is what able. Why is that so funny? I don't know. With his big feathered wings. Also, isn't it fun that Magneto just runs into, like, out of happenstance, a mutant that can detect all the other mutants? A mutant that is basically Cerebro right. as a person? Yeah. That was very helpful for the plot. <laughs> so convenient. Uh, Magneto is able to locate and free Mystique from a prison convoy along with other mutants, Multiple Man and Juggernaut, who joins the Brotherhood of Mutants. It was cool seeing Multiple Man. I it was. thought it was cool seeing Multiple Man. I thought he was underused. Mm-hmm. Um, only the only mutant that was underused in this movie. <laughs> I really, really, really don't like the take on Juggernaut here. No, um, I would like to know it's why. So I agree, but I would like to know why. Uh, because the only thing I don't know Juggernaut that well as a character. I do think it's kind of strange that they made him look like a leather daddy. <laughs> yeah, the costume is real tough. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I also think that there are stories that have real resonance with Juggernaut because Juggernaut, in a lot of iterations of the con- in the comics, is uh, Charles Xavier's brother. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And so that dynamic is a really interesting one that Charles Xavier's own brother sides with Magneto in a lot of these conflicts. That actually creates interesting, interesting friction. Um, but the only two iterations of Juggernaut we've ever gotten are this version and then the one that Kills Deadpool repeatedly. Oh, in Deadpool too. Yeah. Hmm. I still haven't seen that. I need. To. I don't remember. It, uh, I remember he's. Have in you it. seen Deadpool one more than once? No, I haven't seen it at all. You haven't seen it at all. All right. So no, just watch Deadpool to. one and then watch Deadpool one again because that's the same as watching Deadpool two after watching Deadpool okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We we love these movies. <laughs> With the help of Callisto, I've already read this, Mystique is suddenly shot with the cure and loses her powers and is now human. Magneto abandons her since she is no longer a mutant and it's super fucked up. So I'm going to keep hammering this home. Magneto in this movie is not Magneto. It's just some weird caricature supervillain that they don't know what they're doing with who's written terribly. We, we already talked about the smarmy, you're not one of us anymore. That comes immediately after this, like, this heartfelt, you saved me. He's a cart like they have made him a cartoon character. The Magneto they set up in the other movies, the Magneto in the comics, isn't gonna just flip from Oh, you saved my life. Screw you, goodbye. Like he's <laughs> he's going to be for one thing, he's gonna be intelligent enough to understand that, oh, she might just turn on me if I just leave her here. Like he would he this Magneto is an idiot. He's 
has no consistent emotions. He he's just God. It's so bad. Yeah, why and did they, they do that? <laughs> they set him up so well in the other two movies, and in this movie, he's just a a buffoon. Like it's just I don't know how else to describe it. He's just a terribly written, like like children's cartoon character. Yep. It's it's real bad. At the White House, Hank McCoy resigns from the cabinet after finding out that the cure is being used as a weapon without him knowing about it. He leaves and joins the X-Men knowing that Magneto will become a major threat. In the school's infirmary, Jean wakes up feeling better, but Wolverine knows something is wrong. Jean has no memory of what happened to Cyclops. Her powers get worse, and she escapes the mansion. We skipped something significant there, but that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's that significant to our purposes. Well, it's significant to how bad the movie is, but we already talked about it. Yeah, it's... it, it To me, that scene is not just as bad, but it it is maybe second to the slave line as far as just the content of that scene. I think I agree. Where she's just really aggressively sex at him. Yes. <laughs> really? Uh, I'd, it's uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far to say it's as bad as this, this is the slave No, no, no. I, I said is, second I, to. Yes, yes. But second to, sure. Yes. And, and I think a distant second, but also... Ahead of whatever's in third. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, after Magneto discovers that the government is using the cure as a weapon, Callisto informs him that he has located she has located a class five mutant more powerful than Magneto. Knowing that it's Jean, he plans to use her. Back in the infirmary, Storm and Professor X discover that Jean has escaped and they set out to find her. The X-Men, Professor X, Storm, and Wolverine find Jean at her childhood home, only to find Magneto and his brotherhood also there. So this I don't know this for sure, but seeing that we have gotten this replicated twice now, this has to be from the comics that they confront Jean at her childhood home. Because in the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie that we will watch eventually, it plays out very similar. I think it happened in the cartoon, too. I never saw that. I think. It plays out very similar. They go to her childhood home. It is not Professor Xavier who dies there. Someone else dies. Hmm. Spoilers. Uh, someone who really, really, really didn't want to be part of these movies anymore ended up dying. Uh, oh, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> they got out. Uh, unfortunately for those X-Men movies, she was one of the stars of the movie. Uh, but uh, whatever. Oh, okay. It's Rogue. Uh, no. Oh. Hmm. Rogue wasn't in those movies. I'm sorry. Oh, is it Mystique? Mystique. Yeah. I don't know uh, why I said Rogue. I meant Mystique. Oh, it's, uh, it's, Jennifer it's Jennifer Lawrence. By the end of those movies, she really didn't want to be in them anymore. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Clear with her, like, her, we'll watch the movies with like her like line delivery. and. Yes. Do you know why? We'll, I mean, we'll know why we'll later. We'll find but, out. Also, yeah. because of this, we'll talk about this one in these movies, but like the star power of Jennifer Lawrence, they couldn't let her just be Mystique anymore. Right. And that she starts sticking out. She stops being Mystique in those movies, mm-hmm. and it's really jarring. I want to talk about the fight scene that happens here uh, because while we ha- while we had problems with the other two X-Men movies, there were at least moments we were like, oh, that was sick. Like I will always mm-hmm. go on and on and on and on about the Nightcrawler scene from the beginning of X2. I just will. Oh God. This movie- I'm sad I wasn't on that episode. Other than the fastball special has no cool fight scenes whatsoever. Correct. I will die on that hill. Not a single fight scene makes me happy. And I think this one in particular is incredibly cheesy because they've got Storm doing this cabal from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That's exactly what I 
lightning spin move where she just rushes in in a tornado lightning storm and punches the other two mutants in the face as she whirlwinds by them let's be clear she's doing a whirlwind but they don't like bother to animate a funnel cloud around her (laughs) that's how they she is just spinning through the air she's t-posing that was actually in Halle Berry's contract that she gets to do that (laughs) I can do a weird t-pose spin and I'm cutting my hair like I like and then you get you get Juggernaut versus Wolverine, a very significant fight setup. And it's they just toss each other around a little bit. Yeah. It's they do what? Tossing. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was so, like, I audibly groaned in my apartment by myself for nobody but me to hear. Well, and it continues like, into the end. Ugh. The end is, an art, is the Brotherhood versus the X-Men. And it just ends up being just beast punching people. I, like, <laughs> I want to complain about that scene, too. But I'll do that okay. later. I mean, you can complain about it. No, now. but you're right. That's... The fight scenes are terrible. There's another fight scene that I want to wait till we get to it. That's like one of the worst I've ever seen in a movie. Oh no! The professor and Magneto go into the house to reason with Gene, but Gene doesn't listen and vaporizes the professor. It's <laughs> a fun way to put it. <laughs> so I'm gonna get back on my this Magneto is so bad horse because Magneto's terrible here too. We got so he. Is he Charles's friend or not? He goes back and forth in this scene between egging on Jean Grey against Charles Xavier, but then also he's my friend. When he dies, he goes, Charles, no! And then then just gets up and like, come with me, my dear. Like, she just killed your best friend. Do you care or not? Well, and like it's, later in the movie, yeah. Pyro says something yes. about how he's going to kill Professor X mm-hmm. and he's like, Charles Xavier has done more for mutants right. than you will ever, blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. like, what... Do you care or not? I'm the Magneto that is set up in other in the first two movies elsewhere in the media would not just be moving on from Jean Grey just killed. Why am I getting the urge to defend this part specifically? Okay, go right ahead. I don't. It's it's a floppy argument. I just think it's one of those like. Are you trying to throw a euro? Yeah, I am. I've got some (laughs) spare change. Um, I think it might be one of those like. I can make fun of my brother, but you can't make fun of my brother things. I think that is true to their relationship, but I do not think it's handled well here. Because that I agree I, with. I kill my brother, but you I'm can't. Just saying, he just moves <laughs> yeah. on instantly. I'm just saying I think that's what they were going for. Right, they did it terribly. Yeah, terribly. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> Charles, no. And then, then nothing else. Like, I just... yeah. And he egged her on to this point, too. Oh, God. They were both being dicks until the very end. And then the next scene, to your point, yes, he does have that scene with Pyro that I think is, if it weren't for everything else being bad, it would actually be an important moment. But the next scene, he's bad-mouthing Charles the next time we see Magneto. He's, she's, you're just like him. No, he wanted to control you. And I'm like, like, but... But Pyro can't speak badly about him. Like, it, again, were they friends or not? This movie seems to want to have its cake and eat it, too, with the relationship. They're both they're both arch nemeses and best friends. No, that like you're not doing either of those particularly well. Yep. Do you have do you guys have any phrases in your lexicon that you wish weren't phrases? Because I just don't like have your cake and eat it, too. Why wouldn't I want to eat my cake? OK, so the idea have your cake and eat it, too, Apples is about oranges. having it on display. That's also stupid. Why can't two fruit be compared? I don't know. I, I actually agree with that one. Have your cake and eat it too is about the idea of you want your cake to be on display 
So you want to be able to see it at all times. Oh, you is can't it one of those also eating? Is it. it one of those phrases that over time was shortened to something that doesn't make sense? But if you said the whole thing, it would make sense. Well, I think it makes sense. Think of it like like a wedding cake. Like the idea is, look I at how want pretty, to eat my right, wedding cake. Right. <laughs> the idea is, look at how pretty this cake is. I want to taste it, but I also want to continue to be able to see it. Can't you do both? No, you can't. <laughs> yes, you, no, you can't. Once no, no, you've no, eaten the, it, it's gone. Well, right. The point is that once you've eaten the cake, you can't look at the cake. You can't Correct. have your cake Correct. and eat it as well. Like you either look at it and see how pretty it is, right. or the cake is eaten and the cake is Bro, no longer there. That's why you hired for $4,000 a second a wedding photographer. No one is saying that like <laughs> the, the point is that you can't continue to look at the cake yes. after you have eaten it. I understand the logic. I just think it's dumb. I'm sorry. I can't help you with this one. Because I don't think it is. Zach, uh, you're really trying to have your cake and eat it too with this argument Hey, here. can you bleep that Z word out, please? Uh, who? No. Exactly. Also, Magneto, incredibly dumb for trying to use, again, he's an idiot in this movie, an actual, an actual Donald Trump level stupid person. Yeah. He, <laughs> he's... The Magneto of the previous movies would not be thinking, look at this uncontrollable person. I will use her. So he's dumb for that. He just saw her kill his maybe best friend, maybe not. But he thinks, I'm going to I'm gonna use her. Then she immediately threatens him. And he's just like, cool, she's on my side. But then he never uses her. At no point is she significant to his plan ever. Nope. Anyway, the Brotherhood of Mutants meets at the Four Seasons... <laughs> <laughs> total landscaping, total landscaping <laughs> company. Uh, Magneto takes her away, leaving Wolverine <laughs> and Storm grieving over the loss of the professor. After the students at X-Men bid a fair, final farewell to their fallen leader and mentor, Iceman takes Shadowcat ice skating to cheer her up. This upsets Rogue, believing that Iceman is more interested in Shadowcat than her, so she leaves to take the cure. This, this is one of the first big roles for Elliot Page as well. I don't think he had been in like too much before this honestly besides what juno yeah when was juno i think this was juno was 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 his first big role and uh then it was this i think this is kind of what like Mm -hmm. springboarded Mm -hmm. him to kind of like take some of these Mm -hmm. bigger roles yeah it was weird to just look at him so young yeah Mm -hmm. that's what that's what jarred me i was like Mm -hmm. are are you like 12 yeah (laughs) like whoa because like we just recently watched umbrella academy yep and He's an adult, so yep. it's weird to go back and look at a child acting. Yep, right. I don't know. At the time, obviously, it wasn't weird. It but... also makes me think of, do you remember the, the whole stuff that happened with The Last of Us? So uh, when that game came out, it came out around the time a game called Beyond Two Souls came out. The original idea for The Last of Us was that Ellie was based off of Elliot Page. Oh. oh. Ellie was originally based off of that, and... The likeness is uncanny. Oh yeah, uh, it yeah, is. Yeah. It's very clear, and mm-hmm. I think there was like some like legal. I think they settled out of court for it because when she, uh, when he didn't end up doing the role, um, they ended up like using uh, his likeness anyway. Right, right, right. And I think that like clearly didn't. Mm-hmm. Think there was Interesting legal stuff with that. Huh. The next day in the forest, Magneto has set a huge camp for his now larger Brotherhood army, along with Jean Grey at his side. Back in the school, Wolverine, Storm, Beast, Iceman, and Shadowcat gather to decide about the school's future. Warren turns up at the uh, at the school for a place to stay. Storm decides that the school stays open. Wolverine sets off to find Jean after hearing her voice uh, whispering in his head, calling him. Let me just say... 
the X-Men have just the coolest names. Wolverine, Storm, Beast, Iceman, and Shadowcat. All of those are A+. Mm-hmm. Whereas you get some of the other Marvel. I mean, like, you know, there are a few that I think, I think, like, the mans, even though Iceman is in here, some of the I mans. Spider-Man is dumb, and Spider-Man is my favorite fictional character. I think there are maybe <laughs> a little too many of the Spider-Man, Ant-Man, mm-hmm. Iron Man, mm-hmm. Iceman. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. The, the mans, yeah, yeah. Superman. Also... Mm-hmm. Kitty Pride is already a cool name, but also yes. Shadow Cat is cool, and I wish they would call her Shadow Cat more yep. often. Yeah, I agree. Um, I you just you just reminded me of the the text I sent you guys in the group chat of if you go to the uh, IMDb for this movie, the Stan Lee cameo at the beginning of the movie has him like watering his lawn with a garden hose and then a guy some other random dude is mowing his lawn and then Jean Grey like levitates all the cars and the lawnmower and the water from the hose and so those two guys are credited as lawnmower man and water hose man and I feel like (laughs) if you don't really know the X-Men but you look at the IMDB you might think these are weird superhero names Wonder what Lawnmower Man can do. Isn't there an actual movie called Lawnmower Man? Yes, it's like an '80s. There was also a video game called The Lawnmower Man. It's very Tron-like. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at pictures. It's it's, oh, it's like a Pierce computer. Bosman. It's like a co- rogue computer po- program that you get sucked into, and the guy, the guy's the main character's name is Job, and he, uh, he like mows lawns. I'm amazed. That, <laughs> I know that, that. Wait, does he? Yes. 1992. <laughs> He is the lawnmower man. I know this because I played the shit out of the video oh, game. It's it's, uh, it's like a Contra. It's basically Contra. It's based on a Stephen King novel. Oh, that's cool. I was not very good at that game, um, but it, it it's because the game is hard as shit. It is, and looking back at it, I Contra think I'd probably like Contra. it now yes. because you play it like Contra for a while. It, the levels go in these like segments of three. You play a Contra style level. And then I don't remember what order this is in, but but then there are like these memorization puzzle games that you play in between the levels. Once you beat the puzzle, then you go into this like weird flying forward simulation through the computer space, and it kind of has like a Star Fox vibe. And then oh. you go back to Contra. It's this actually does sound like a game I'd like. Yeah, it's super strange, and I was bad at it at it as a kid, but I bet I'd like it now. Might download a ROM of that. Wolverine sets off to find Jean after hearing her voice whispering in his head calling him. Hey, Logan. (laughs) Soon the Brotherhood (laughs) begin making attacks at clinics to prevent the cure from spreading to more mutants. Magneto announces to everyone that a war is coming again and gives all other mutants (laughs) a choice. Join him or stay out of their way. Wolverine arrives to the forest where the Brotherhood is camped to confront Jean. This is an this is the fight scene. It's like a full minute of back and forth between Wolverine ru- running at him and knocking <laughs> away this dude's quills and then this dude throwing quills. It's like several shots back and forth of quill 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 quill. Knock 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 knock. And it's, just, <laughs> it's so dumb and it carries on for so it's like it ends up being like a one of those family guy sketches that just keeps going. It's like why is this Oh the fighting chicken? Why yeah. is this still going? And then then it ends with him brutally murdering the guy. And it's just it, that that is the worst fight scene in this movie of terrible fight scenes. Uh no, it's the T pose whirlwind <laughs> punch. <laughs> I will fight you on that. That is way worse. Also, when Magneto finds Wolverine, why doesn't he kill him? Why does he throw him away? 
Uh, Other than the fact that this Magneto is stupid and the plot needs to continue. Yeah. Yes. Why does why do all the good guys have like no moral compass as far as killing people goes, but the bad guy Magneto, who wants all of the people dead, spares people constantly, mm-hmm. including the guy made out of the thing he can easily manipulate and murder right. in a second. <laughs> Magneto has an army of mutants and plans to attack Worthington Labs and destroy the cure. Wolverine finally finds Jean, but is stopped by Magneto. After the president fails an attempt to stop Magneto, the X-Men plan to take this into their own hands and stop Magneto themselves. The team now consists of Wolverine, Storm, Beast, Colossus, Shadowcat, and Iceman. The next morning in San Francisco, Magneto leads his brotherhood to Worthington Labs. Magneto uses the full force of his power... To move the entire Golden Gate Bridge and his army over to Alcatraz Island. Why? Also, what is the why point? did they do this? <laughs> he built. There's many things wrong with this. Like it has no point. But then he builds a bridge from San Francisco to Alcatraz so that other people can cross the bridge and come to yeah, foil his you, plans. You'd like, think that what? he did that because maybe like the rest of the mutants needed to walk across or something. What is it with Magneto? And just having an internet e-peen contest. In every movie, he does something where he is literally just showing off. Like, he picks up the whole fucking bridge and moves it. For what? What? Just fly everyone over there. Pick up some of the bridge. Correct. (laughs) And so he makes this bridge so that the military can come over. (laughs) Like, I just... Maybe visually it was cool in 2006, but it is nonsense. It doesn't make but peaches any sense. Even if you did it just for, look how cool it is that he's moving this bridge. They could have had that without it be, make this bridge so that people can come stop me. Like, I just... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, like, if you're using that to bring over your other Brotherhood right. of Mutant right. pals, do that and right. then destroy the bridge. Right. It... It feels like they were going to have him, like you said, move the bridge so that everyone else could cross it and then like forgot that that's what they were doing and then had him fly them all. And then at that point, you're too far in the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess we didn't need to do this. Oh, well, cut it. This is already the most expensive movie ever made. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that was a it's a silly thing. It's not. Yeah, as, it's the first silly thing. It's not as cool <laughs> as you think it is. Like that's this whole movie. This whole movie is. Oh, you thought that was cool, huh? No. <laughs> this whole movie is that kid in school who like thinks he can do a cartwheel but can't really do a cartwheel. <laughs> He's talking about me now. Same. I felt really cannot, attacked by yeah, that. Yeah, I cannot do a cartwheel. <laughs> but did you tell people, look at me, I can do a cartwheel? A couple times, oh, yeah. Because okay. I thought I was doing a cartwheel and they're like, dude, you're just falling. <laughs> you're just falling. <laughs> and this, this, movie, this movie is just falling. <laughs> you're kind of catching yourself, but you're mostly falling. The X-Men arrive just in time and help the troops fight off the Brotherhood. In chess, the pawns go first. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm s- close to interrupting you again. <laughs> the fight goes well until Magneto sends Juggernaut in to kill Jimmy. Shadowcat manages to slow him down and make it to Jimmy first, but his powers prevent her from phasing through the walls. No, no, I'm first. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, <laughs> first of all, I will say here's another thing. Here is one positive thing about Magneto. There's no Magneto was right. Uh, there's no there's that can't exist. I think you know you get the Thanos was right. You get that this villain was right. 
Magneto is very clearly a bad guy with a bad guy agenda. And there's very little in this movie that would make you think otherwise. Because this dude who has all these people with fucking superpowers infiltrating an island just lets them all in this order. He lets them all go in and get their powers taken away from him. Makes all of more than one line about pawns and chess going first. They decide to have him say that twice. And then he brings this this mutant from the trio that they meet in the beginning of the movie who can apparently do a very accurate specified thunderclap to destroy all the guns with those needles in them to walk up and thunderclap and destroy all the guns with those needles in them. So he just lets like hundreds of mutants get their powers taken away which he claims to be fighting for. That's the thing. He, and then has this person thunderclap the, the weapons gone. Just like they go back and forth between Charles is his friend and Charles is not. They go back and forth between Magneto cares about mutants and Magneto yes. doesn't care about mutants. And then, despite all that, he, Pyro, and Jean Grey just stand there and watch most of this fight. <laughs> they because, don't do anything. Because Jean Grey has no point in the plot of this movie they brought um, this iconic character of the phoenix and then didn't use it yeah you didn't say anything about her character earlier but i wonder if she also didn't really want to do this movie because despite the movie being a lot about her she doesn't do a lot i agree she's in enough of it that i think it in this case in that case i think it's just bad writing like maybe and then what we just skipped is that this is the first instance I can think of of an internet meme making it into a movie. Oh my God. With I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah. Which was one of the first most hilarious things I'd ever seen on YouTube. Um, Wait, that was a meme first? Oh yeah. yeah Wait, you didn't you? know that? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, no. This I was thought it reference. came from the movie. No, no, this was a reference to the meme. Huh. And which could have been cool, but they do it terribly. And before I saw this movie, when people said, he says, I'm the juggernaut bitch in this movie, I thought they were joking. Like, I didn't think that would actually make it in. Was this a video or a comic, a fake comic panel it, or no, something? No, it's a YouTube video. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, so it's, um, do you remember the G.I. Joe, um, the, the, the overdubs of the G.I. Joe end of episode learning moments that were, oh God. No. Okay. I didn't pay attention to anything G.I. Joe. Uh, no, 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 not G.I. Joe. It was using G.I. Joe. It was basically using G.I. Joe the way that they use like the animation from C-Lab 2020 to make C-Lab 2021. It was, this was also a major. Do you remember the the pork and beans video from Weezer? No. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Anyway, it was a video of a scene from the X-Men um, cartoon with someone overdubbing, and you're going to watch it after this podcast, but with someone overdubbing uh, the lines for Charles and for all the characters it was mostly Charles and and the Juggernaut and J- Juggernaut is just walking around like, silly bitch, your weapons cannot harm me. Do you know who the fuck I am? I'm the fucking Juggernaut, bitch. Oh. Like it's just like that. It's <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> okay. My, I'm guessing that elements of it probably don't age well. <laughs> I wonder if that was a direct steal or if that was one of those subconscious things where like the writer was like, oh, this sounds really good for some reason. No, it was it, it was supposed <laughs> to be a reference. Like that was one oh, of the, okay. at that point in time, that was one of the biggest things that had ever been on the internet. Gotcha. And so this was a reference to that. 
And when it was announced, I thought it was a joke. And then it was actually in there. And then when I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, but that sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize you didn't know all that. I, I just assumed. I thought you were about to talk about it. No. I think that line's hilarious. <laughs> Shadowcat manages to slow him down and make it to Jimmy first, but his powers prevent her from phasing through the walls. Juggernaut arrives but gets knocked out when trying to get to Jimmy. Storm defeats Callisto and Iceman defeats Pyro. This is where we also first get to see Iceman all iced out. Which is, is cool. Yeah. It's cool that the ice armor. <laughs> cool. Also, Storm doesn't just defeat <laughs> Chill out. Storm doesn't just defeat Callisto. Like, she just fries her like in a yeah. long and there's some other moments like this she in the fucking scene. palpatines like, like this is, did you ever hear what happens to a callisto <laughs> that gets struck by lightning right well and so like toad didn't die so i'm gonna like this time i'm gonna do it and <laughs> we kind of talked about this a little bit but like looking back on this that moment is played as like a hero moment where the, and they all clapped and like no i just watched them like that's really uncomfortable yeah like it's i i get self-defense but you're just laying into her and frying her until there's no hope for her to walk away and i just this Maybe is it was one of halle berry's demands like there's some there we really liked violence back then and i just it makes me uncomfortable well, to go back to which is I weird i don't think we don't like violence now we just like violence as that's a society better. well yeah. like a better choreographed violence maybe yeah 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 i think it's that i think we also i think we treat death a little less flippantly than we did in early 2000s yeah. action movies for yeah. sure yeah in the lab the omegas psylocke quill and arclight try to kill worthington but he is luckily saved by his son warren luckily but that poor like that poor like science lady yeah. that gets like also, hugged and he's like shh, shh and then he like turns why do on we, his quills why mm-hmm. do we only get psylocke for like two throwaway scenes psylocke yep. is fucking cool yep we get her in later movies, right? Yeah, Olivia Munn, well, and she barely has a role. But Olivia uh, Munn plays Psylocke in uh, X-Men Apocalypse. She barely has a role there, too. Which I can't decide which movie I dislike more, this one or Apocalypse, so I'm really interested to see which, uh, what's going to be the I've seen Apocalypse recently. Off. I think it's this one, but it is I've, close. I've never seen Apocalypse or the... Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Both of them are awful. So... Mm-hmm. The X-Men finally defeat Magneto when Beast injects him with a cure, causing him to lose his powers. Haha. Before Wolverine can help Jean, more troops arrive to attack her, but they fail. Enraged, Jean unleashes the full fury of the Phoenix and destroys everything around her, including killing all the soldiers and mutants. And Magneto crawls away going, what have I done? This is what he wanted. He, he brought her for this plan. And at this point, she's not even doing anything other than vaporizing humans which he hates and messing up alcatraz what do you mean what have i done like, <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing major is happening right now and you wanted this this is what you wanted you didn't what have i done when she killed your best friend like i just it's they wrote this line in to be this poignant self-reflection moment for the villain it doesn't work that way you have to earn it you can't just write what have i done and assume it makes sense it, it's it's so think, bad do you think that <laughs> I'm laughing at my own stupid comment before I even say it. Do you think that um, uh, Magneto's personality in this movie was decided via Mad Lib? <laughs> like they just went up to a bunch of random interns and they're like, all right, give me an adjective. I think what it was. All right, was, give me a noun. <laughs> I think it was someone that doesn't know how to write characters, just grabbed some 
grab some villain tropes and put them together. Like, hey, I, I made a Magneto. Here you go. Any like, of these things on their own could have been fine if they had just right. stuck with one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Also, speaking of Gene, speaking of Gene, uh, or well, speaking of Gene, but also speaking of death just being handled flippantly, Gene Gray just vaporizes like 50 people and it's just like not even given any sort of weight it's like yeah, it's like, yeah. no gene also, no <laughs> don't do that again oh come on gene. gene on the carpet again gene. come on gene. <laughs> the x-men get away but wolverine is forced to kill gene with his claws to make her stop and it's supposed to be like this emotional heavy moment and it's more like oh thank god this movie's coming to an end uh the next day everything is fine again <laughs> Oh my the mansion God. is reopened. Beast is now the new ambassador to the United Nations, and Rogue has come back, revealing that she has taken the cure and continues her relationship with Iceman. As for Magneto, he is now seen amongst the humans playing chess in the part park like a normal person, missing his precious magnetic abilities. The scene ends when he <laughs> reaches for one of the metal chess pieces, and it slightly moves by itself. Precious a couple tritium. things here. That's handled... That was written so perfectly, because that's how this movie ends. It just... Like, just ends so suddenly. They don't have any closure. They don't have any reflection. They don't... It doesn't really have an epilogue. It just has, okay, the action sequence is over. Now we're just going to have a couple quick moments. And I just... I guess I'm glad the movie was over because not only was this movie bad, it was also boring. Like, boring as hell. Oh, yeah. So it's good that it was over. But it's it was poorly done as an ending. Second, why was Magneto not arrested? <laughs> why did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> why is he not on trial probably facing the death penalty <laughs> just let him, he doesn't have powers anymore let him play chess <laughs> enjoy the rest of his days it's you know what it is it's just like when Gandalf same actor oh he has no power here anymore which is like one of the few down parts of Lord of the Rings but uh, the, the film Lord of the Rings but like this is way worse why was he not arrested he has killed so many people he was a terrorist he threatened literally all of humanity nah he's good like i just <laughs> okay <laughs> what shit i had something and now i lost it um i don't know why i even said that because now there's just airtime of me saying that i forgot something and now i'm continuing can was, you take over well after the you credits reacted, <laughs> there is when i was talking about there the is a was. scene at the hospital where the comatose <sighs> man from the video that xavier showed his students is lying in a hospital bed Dr. Moira McTaggart enters the room to see the sleeping patient, only to be greeted by the professor's voice coming from him. Oh. Moira looks towards her patient in disbelief and says, Charles, what are the implications of this? Because I'm trying to figure out what it means. One, either Phoenix vaporizes this man and puts him in another body, or what the more likely thing is, Charles puts himself into this person's body. Somehow, Professor X survived. <laughs> I was so bored by this movie that when this post credit scene came up, I totally forgot that it was a, pl a very small plot point earlier in the movie. Yeah. So thank you for reading that exactly the way you did because I was trying to figure out why the fuck I cared. Same. Like I, I was like, who is this doctor? Why is Professor? But now I'm remembering the, the callback to him very briefly saying, this woman's trying to put other people's consciences in this body, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Another implication is that when your consciousness changed, so does the, your vocal cords. 
and you start sounding like someone else as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so silly. I had a really hard time with this movie. Not <laughs> staring at my phone the whole time this movie was playing. This movie is. I had to keep catching myself. Like I'd pick up my phone and start mindlessly scrolling for a few seconds. Then I like slap myself on the wrist. Like, no, stop. Watch the watch the movie. Try. Well, so we could talk about the future of these movies after this movie finishes. And like this movie essentially killed the X-Men franchise for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It they obviously decided, "Hey, we know what we want since the first movie. We just want Wolverine. So why don't we cut out literally every other X-Men and just make these movies about Wolverine?" <laughs> which is what they did to not great success. Right. Uh, which we will talk about on our next episode. Oh god. And at the same time, Marvel was saying well, we are starting to do our own movies and we don't have the rights to the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So we're also going to get rid of them in our comics and force the Inhumans on everyone. And like... Here's a callback for you. This was the moment when X-Men became what X-Men is now. Why can't they have their cake and eat it too? <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't they make a good third movie and then focus on Wolverine? They were already in production of the Wolverine when this movie came out. Huh. They had already planned... The Wolverine, or not the Wolverine, uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I think that kind of supports my point, though, because if Hugh Jackman is also working on another film while this film is going on, then you give plenty of other actors time to create a good product. I do think it's indefensible to create something this bad. Like, you cannot give me a reason (laughs) that you couldn't stop and say... This is out of control, but this is this is the X Men. This is an incredibly important property to our our studio. We need to stop and get this right. At, I cannot believe that there was not a let's stop and get this right moment. I, you know, I know that a lot of people really criticize Marvel Studios for what they do, where regardless of director, they have set ahead of time what the major scenes are going to be in this movie, what the set pieces are going to be, what the plot's going to be. And a lot of people don't like that because it means the directors don't come in and make their own product. They're making, they're directing a product that was made by a studio. But I think this movie is why that model exists. I think this nonsense where we didn't think ahead of time and make sure that we didn't put ourselves in corners and produce something terrible and rely on a terrible director who messed up our product. I think this is why that exists. And I think that's the lesser evil. I think what Marvel Studios does is the lesser evil to what this garbage ended up being. Maybe they just... Uh, maybe it's one of those things where they're like, what, are people not going to come see our movie? <laughs> like, we already had two hits. We've got the money no matter how bad this is. I think that's part of it. Also, part of it, I may be assuming a lot to think that they were aware this was trash. Like, it may have been like, eh, it's just a superhero Listen, movie. Listen, man, <laughs> I knew as a kid in 2006 that this movie wasn't good. An adult should have known. A series of adults should have known. Like, I I don't know how you wouldn't look at this and go, ooh, I'm embarrassed. Like, you know, when you were in school, if you ever had to present something in front of the class and you didn't do a bang-up job, you were embarrassed to have your name called. Like, I don't want to have to do this. That's how they should have felt when when they were, when this movie went to theaters. Like, God, I hope nobody shows up. Well, a series of unfortunate adults were the ones that greenlit this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, MVP, Robbie, we'll start with you. Okay, fine. My MVP is the end credits. <laughs> if I have to pick a character, I think it's going to be Beast. And it's because he's like maybe the only one that's not bad. 
Like, I don't think Beast carries this movie or anything like that. I just think I kind of enjoy him. Kelsey Grammer was good casting. It's nice to finally have Beast, and they didn't butcher the character. Well, Other than that, like, it's bad. It's bad. Like, even Magneto and Professor X, who were great in other movies and are played by great actors, were terrible in this. Terrible. Yeah, I, my MVP is also going to be Beast. And for similar reasons, Kelsey Grammer really wanted to play the character. He, like, like seeked out the the role and really wanted to play it and i think that's a lot of the reason why it's so successful he's just like clearly like having a fun time with the role and he's playing it up like the whole like beast but like really smart intelligent you know un ambassador or whatever but god i really wish i could give it to no one peach what about you <laughs> yeah i think i don't have a different thing to say than that last sentence i wish i could give it to nobody <laughs> I don't think there's anyone to mention other than beasts. I think we're kind of like, we have an easy in on this one um, mm-hmm. for all the same reasons. I just remembered the thing that I forgot though. So I'm going to interrupt my own okay. segment here. Which movie is it? Is it Days of Future Past where they tie in the yes that movie to this movie? Not necessarily this movie. Don't they kind of see a scene with Beast and the what scene do they see? So they tie in this movie to these characters. It's not but, a specific scene. But it scene. is not a specific scene. Oh, okay. I don't remember exactly what happens. I just remember they like look through a door and Beast is talking. But it looked to me like it was a clip from this movie. I just couldn't remember. Why did they choose this movie? If they were going to relate the other X-Men movies canonically to this trilogy why did they pick this one they didn't pick i didn't real. i don't think they really picked this one they picked they just picked these characters characters i guess because beast is in that scene and beast is only in the third movie it's because beast is also in those movies right yeah yeah it makes sense it just it made me think of the third one because that's the one he's in and days from the original trilogy days of future past takes place after this movie so it made sense to revisit the characters that had been established in in that movie but of course they hand wave the you know we, yes we had the moira mctaggart scene but they hand wave that yeah, yeah and everyone accepted that professor x was alive yeah. they hand wave magneto definitely got his powers back and also definitely somehow didn't get arrested <laughs> so it, it, this movie and i they're not necessarily wrong in that because so edward was right they're not directly referencing this movie in days of future past but they are referencing Mm. this timeline and it's probably a good thing that they just moved on from the fact that this movie existed i think this is one of those movies where you gotta just say anything that we wanted to say happened from this one cool Mm -hmm. and everything else no it didn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you think you saw that no you didn't does mystique have her powers back in days of future past I don't think she I is. I don't in think the, she's in it either. She's yeah. not. She's not in the future okay. scenes. She is in the past. Okay. Only is J Lo. Yes. J Law. J Law. Ratings. I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna give it. Uh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give it two point five juggernaut bitches out of ten. What about you, Peach? You know I. Um, had a rating in my mind and now knowing what you two are going to give it I don't want to be the one that rates this the highest (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to because I'm going to stick to my guns here Uh, so originally I wanted to give this an amount that is equal to the number in the trilogy Uh, three down bad telepaths out of ten I was originally the same as Eduardo I knocked it down I 
when we started this, I thought, okay, so Eternals, famously the lowest score I've given. And I thought, well, this is definitely worse than Eternals. And so I just wanted to make sure it has a score lower than Eternals. But then as we went through this, I'm like, no, it it needs a score that is several notches below Eternals. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you, but I don't think right. I've given anything oh, lower yeah, than etern- a five. Yeah, your Eternal score was higher than I mine. I think five is the lowest I've yeah. gone with anything else. Um, so for me, this is, the ra- this is the range of a movie that is... The only way you can be worse than this movie is to be this bad and also terrible production value. Like, you need to be this bad and also it looks like you have PlayStation graphics. That's about what it would take to be worse than this movie. Um, or you're actively toxic. Although this movie has a lot of active toxicity. So, um, anyway, I am giving it two internet two internet memes out of ten. You know, I think if Thor the Dark World was on someone's TV as I was walking by, I would turn my head and be like, oh, look, Thor the Dark World. And I'd like watch it for a second and be like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not my favorite movie, but I'd keep walking. Mm-hmm. If I was walking by and someone had X-Men The Last Stand on, I would actively tell them to turn that off. Exactly. That <laughs> I would be like, please, <laughs> right. I would avert my eyes and say, please right. get this away from me. Right. Eternals, I gave a 3.5, was a movie with that just had a lot of misses, had some potential, but had great acting sequences, looked fine. This is a movie that is bad in every single way, yeah. and my life is worse when I am seeing it. Yep. Yeah, I, I I think I've said this as a joke in other recordings, but if this was on and paint were also drying right. <laughs> in the same room. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I said this, but it's not just bad. It's not just insulting to my intelligence. It's not just ruining characters I care about. It's also just boring. Nothing happens. Yeah. It Rankings. sure was. Where are we gonna rank this? <laughs> sure, it sure <laughs> was. Of all the movies, it sure was one. Peach, why don't you rank first? Why don't I rank first? Where do you think we're gonna put it? Well, uh, it's crazy. I mean, and, and right <laughs> now it's easy because we only have three movies. Yeah, there are a lot of really bad X Men movies to continue mm-hmm. to watch. That's true. The very next movie we watch is X Men Origins Wolverine. And that movie is awful. I don't want to write my own bias into the future, but I have a feeling that that one is... There's there's something about, and I don't know how to define this for me, but there's something about a movie being bad, so bad that it becomes good in a (laughs) not actually good way. Sure. And this movie is so bad that it's bad. But I have a feeling that maybe X-Men Origins going back to it is going to be one of those so bad that I'm laughing. So I don't even know if I would rate it that low, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. This is right now clearly at the very end. I need to Uh, point out. (laughs) X2 and X1 at 7.5 for me, and this is in the garbage. I should definitely point out, by the way, that the only time I have seen X-Men Origins Wolverine was the leaked screener copy. That's the only version I've seen of it was CG Wolverine. I mean, it was obviously CG, but like blocky, pixelated PlayStation graphic Wolverine teleporting around the screen in action sequences. Let me tell you, it's not too far from the finished product. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Hey, Robbie, is your ranking different than my ranking? (laughs) Nope. Uh, X2 is definitely the best. X-Men is definitely the second best. And this is definitely the worst superhero movie we've ever discussed on this podcast. We should really try to go on like a worst superhero movies possible thing. Like we should watch (laughs) Arnaldo? Darkman. Have you ever seen Darkman? That's Arnaldo's whole thing. (laughs) Is it? Yes. Yeah, he watches films from the Phantom Zone. He watches the bad superhero movies. Superman 4. He's probably already covered this movie. We should watch Catwoman next. No. (laughs) 
What do you think is this worse? This Catwoman or, Catwoman. or Catwoman uh, is worse. Daredevil and Electra? What about Green Lantern? I think Daredevil's better than this. I think Green Lantern has significantly more redeemable qualities yeah, than this. I think, I think Green Lantern got a really bad rap because it was a really re- mediocre movie, but I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. I think it is like very mediocre in every way. Yeah. Hmm. I think Daredevil is better than this, but I'm not say- I, I am not saying that Daredevil is good. I am saying <laughs> that Daredevil is slightly better than the worst movie scene. I never watched Elektra. I'll bet Electra's worse. I don't remember Ben Affleck Daredevil either. It was who, bad. Who was in that movie? Uh, ben Affleck, he plays Daredevil. Oh, yeah, and <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell is uh, Bullseye. Is that's Bullseye. right. That's right. And who's um, Kingpin? Is he in the uh, movie? Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah, 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 yeah. interesting. Which is actually, good casting. Okay. But <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Huh. Yes. Bummer that it was apparently a oh, bad movie. <laughs> and John Favreau is Foggy Nelson. Oh, nice, nice. That nice. makes sense. I can actually kind of see that too, but just based on what I know from Netflix about Foggy. Well, yeah. and like now that I've read um, some of the comics, also shout out to the Griffins for getting me uh, Daredevil. Um, man with no name. Ma- man without fear. Man without fear. Oh, nice. Uh, man with no name. Jennifer Gardner <laughs> as as Electra. Man with no name uh, named Daredevil. Jennifer Gardner as Electra is. Awful casting. Mm-hmm. She is not Electra in any way mm-hmm. whatsoever. It is really, really, really bad casting. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't have that. Like Electra is supposed to be this like really dangerous. You're supposed to look at her and like she like is supposed to bring out this like dangerous side of Daredevil and this like. And Jennifer Gardner is such a like sweet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't look at Jennifer Gardner and think danger right. or you know some of the the, the qualities associated with Electra. Uh, so I don't think that's good casting. Well, and like they don't even play Electra that way. They play her as, a, you know, a, a sweet heroic woman that just wants revenge for her father, not like a trained assassin right. who's an anti-hero bordering on villain who's also <laughs> batshit insane. Was that right. one of those things where Jennifer Garner was just like the popular yeah. actor? Yeah, at that the was time? back when weren't was, they dating yep. at the time? Wasn't yes, w- uh, yes. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner? I, I'm dating? almost completely oh. positive. Your wife is probably going to correct me when she listens to this, but <laughs> my wife. Eduardo's wife. Eduardo's wife. <laughs> All right. It's time to talk about something we actually oh, enjoy. Thank God. Recommendations. Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Who I, wants to go first? I have never looked more forward to the recommendation section because now we're not talking about X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have a recommendation? I do. I actually do have one. Go. And it's kind of strange because... Um, I know that we recommend a lot of other media on, like, we literally, that's what we do in this section, is we recommend games and movies. Fine, I'm going to recommend Touching Grass. I'm going (laughs) to... Nerds. (laughs) Go touch grass, nerds. But I'm going to recommend another podcast on this podcast. I don't know if we've done that before. Um, So I have talked about my tattoo artist on the show uh, after I got my uh, one of my arm sleeve sessions. Um, she told me about Welcome to Night Vale, which has been around for oh. a while. It's not like, yeah, it's not a new podcast, but she told me about it, how much she really loves it. And so on my uh, drive home from the airport the other day, I started listening to Welcome to Night Vale for the first time and immediately fucking loved it. You've asked why Hiram McDaniels is my screen name. On and places. now I know. That's from Night Vale. It's the five-headed mm-hmm. dragon who yes. runs for mayor. Mm-hmm. In the eleventh the episode, yes, he's Bro, literally a five-headed it's, dragon. It's such a strange dude. It's so funny. I recommend this for anybody, even if you don't 
if you're not like a horror junkie, the the format of the show is this guy whose name is Cecil is like the town's uh, newscast radio mm-hmm. guy, and it's community radio, and he's just like in other news, this thing happened, and do not look at the ev- dog park. The dog park is so funny, <laughs> um, but he has dogs like are a not main in the dog park. There's like a main news story every episode. He talks about it for a little, then there's some stuff in between, then he goes back to it. Stuff in between. That's the main format of the show. But Night Vale is this just like weird mystical place where all weird and supernatural stuff is completely normal and yeah. so he talks about it as if it's normal like a five-headed dragon who was pr- previously a fugitive is now running for mayor um was the episode i listened to on the way here and it is just so delightfully weird and funny the episode that i listened to yesterday was about a roving band of feral dogs that was going around terrorizing Night Vale by graffitiing and doing like uh, really shitty things. And by the end of that, because that was the main story, so they kept going back to it. By the end, the mayor issued a statement that the roving band of feral dogs was actually a collection of plastic bags uh, floating around in the wind and we aren't going to talk about it anymore. And... and it's just the mayor's secret police it's so it's just so weird and he has like they have bits that they go back to every time like the dog park that robbie just mentioned like they talk about how beautiful and immaculate this dog park is but also don't ever go to the dog park (laughs) there aren't any dogs there don't talk about the dog park it's actually imaginary like it's just super weird and the production is really well done one thing i like about it another thing i like about it rather is they've got all this weird shit going on. And in every episode, near the end, the narrator's like, and now the weather, because he pretends waiting to talk about... the bus about... in the rain and the rain. <laughs> I'm waiting on the bus in the rain. He talks about, like, it's like a radio show, right? He, <laughs> this is traffic. This is the weather. The weather is just a break where an artist that Night Vale selected that probably submitted their song to mm-hmm. the podcast, a song just plays. And there have, there have been Every some artists weather. I've picked up from, you guys know how little music I listen to. Yeah. There are artists I've picked up because of Night Vale. So if if you like weird and um, like abstract and maybe a little bit horror, but also comedy, definitely check out Welcome to Night Vale. I've been listening to it nonstop. Uh, when I've been doing all these stupid things in Destiny that I'm like trying to catch up and get triumphs for, I've just got Night Vale playing in the background. Yeah, I used to listen to it while I was playing video games. And it's really easy to listen to because it's just a dude doing fake newscasting yep. that's taking it really seriously. Um, one of the residents was like a sentient rock that auditioned for a play. <laughs> like, every, it's just it's just super weird. So the faceless old woman who lives in your house. Yes. That's a book that they wrote. I haven't run into that actual character yet, though. Oh, really? She yeah. also runs for mayor. Does she? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I've definitely referenced around you guys the faceless old woman who lives in your house before. But I, I, I'm really excited about this. Why didn't you not? Why did you not say something? Because it was literally a couple days ago oh, okay, that got I got it. back from my vacation. Oh wow, you've made it a long way then. Because I can't stop listening to it. Yeah, and. It because my tattoo artist recommended it. I didn't want to initially. I didn't want to start at episode one because you know, as you guys know, when we started our our first podcast, Squad Up, we like had to come into it. When we started this one, we changed things along the way. So I like picked a couple episodes right in the beginning of 2021 to listen to, thinking like they've been around a while, so it's probably better. 
I liked all of them that I listened to. Went back to the first one. It's just as good. So you can start it from wherever. It's fucking good. Not only is it just as good, I actually would recommend starting at the start because I think it's lost. I still listen to every episode, mm-hmm. but I think it's lost some steam because you know stuff has diminishing returns. Oh yeah, I noticed that they don't have nearly as many episodes per year as they right. did, and they also now focus a lot on like Cecil and his relationships and mm. instead of early on it was literally just here's a bonkers news story yeah. this episode is about this bonkers news story yeah and it, it has it's not that it's gotten bad it's just that it started out amazing and for me and I'm completely going to back up Peach's recommendation on this um for me it also meant a lot because I, I think you guys know I grew up on a ranch outside of a town of 700 people in the <laughs> southwest yeah and we could get a couple AM radio stations and I would listen to AM radio at night and there was this dude who had this local station where he just spouted off conspiracy theories all night is and that's what this feels like to me I could google this but since you're already a fan uh obviously not all the supernatural stuff but is Nightvale a real place no okay because um, they they had a segment in one of the late, the latest episodes I listened to where it was a different host that was not Cecil and mm-hmm. his radio show was based out of Ann Arbor, which mm. was very strange for me having just come from Ann Arbor, Michigan, listening to this podcast for the first time and the dude's like, my radio show is about conspiracies in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was... Uh, I was near Ypsilanti, blah, 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 like saying all these places that I am very intimately familiar with, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, um, no, I, I, I love Night Vale. I've kind of, I don't listen to it as religiously as I used to, but I was the same as you. It used to be, I'd be playing video games and listening to Night Vale. So that's a great recommendation. I'm glad, I'm glad you're listening to it because I really want to talk to you about it. The other thing too, real quick that I, I like that they throw in there is that they will, uh, very humorously but also kind of seriously in a way. They'll throw like real life stuff into the newscast too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last episodes I listened to, Cecil went on for like 10 minutes about how the rich shouldn't have to pay taxes like everybody else because they've already contributed enough to society to prove that they like society. <laughs> <laughs> so why should they have to pay taxes? We already know they like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll stop uh, just... I'll stop talking about this. No, I think I listen think, to Night Vale. No, I think that's a fantastic recommendation. I don't. I, I don't even think I can top it. I think you just derailed me to the point that I can't <laughs> even think of what I want to recommend. Sorry. I recommend not doing, uh, not doing New Year's resolutions. I hope it's not too late for you. But holding yourself to something that you're just going to be disappointed when you don't hold yourself to that—that's just that's torture. Don't do New Year's resolutions. Just enjoy yourself. Live a life that makes you happy. Listen to Night Vale. How about you, Eduardo? <laughs> uh, I would like to recommend, this is like a very strange, like, privileged person recommendation. I'm going to recommend the Nintendo Switch OLED. <laughs> oh. Uh, I uh, My Nintendo Switch, uh, when I first had it and uh, subsequently, I primarily play in handheld. Uh, it is my preferred way to play the Nintendo Switch. If I am playing on my television, I am playing my PlayStation. If I am at my computer, I am playing my PC. Right. I'm playing my PlayStation. <laughs> uh, I prefer the handheld to anything else. That is why a few years ago I purchased a Nintendo Switch Lite 
because I preferred the handheld experience of the Switch Lite to the regular Switch. The screen sizes are about the same from the regular Switch to the Nintendo Switch Lite, and it was significantly more comfortable on my hands, and it was much more portable and stuff like that. And then the Nintendo Switch OLED came out. My brother-in-law showed up to some, I think it was Thanksgiving, and he had a Nintendo Switch OLED. And I took one look at the screen that that thing has, and it is... It is very hard to, to, to like quantify how much better that screen is. It is significant. It is a very significant improvement to the point where if you are playing handheld, the very best way to play by a wide margin is the Nintendo Switch OLED. Hmm. It is that impressive. It is very, very, very nice. So if you enjoy that console... Um, and you know what? I think over the last couple of years, people have started to really sour on the Nintendo Switch. Really? And... It's so interesting to me because the Nintendo Switch does stuff that other consoles don't. I think people are souring on it because it doesn't have the power of other consoles. It is even less powerful than like a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox right. yeah, One. Yeah, it can't do 6,000 frames per second, Robin. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, th- I think it does have some graphical limitations. Oh, it does. I just The games are still good. The games are good, and I think the, the system is so solid yes. in what... like. I remember watching the commercials for the Nintendo Switch, the very first commercial that came out, where it showed the guy was playing on a TV, mm-hmm. and then he picked it up and took it somewhere else and played it again. And then he took the Joy-Cons off and then handed one to his friend, and mm-hmm. then they played. And then he stood it up as, like, he standed it, mm-hmm. uh, he stood it up and put the Switch or the Joy-Cons in the little controller holder mm-hmm. and then, like, played it that way on, like, a train or something. And, like... Yeah, I actually play kickstand mode a lot. Like, when my wife's watching TV, I'll put up kickstand mode and just play on my... The OLED has a better kickstand. Yes, I've heard that. And it is very nice. It is adjustable, and it is, like, fully adjustable, oh. so you can choose... Where you want the kickstand oh, to be, be spending some money. It is it's very nice. That's much better. That kickstand yeah, on the, the original stand, one kind of sucks. Yes, yes the kickstand is terrible. I use yeah. kickstand mode a lot, but the kickstand is terrible. The kickstand is significant. I thought I was gonna break my mode. machine the mm-hmm. first time I yeah. like I, like I tried to pull that kickstand out and I was like, I'm applying too much force for my mm-hmm. liking. The this new, is a fragile electronic. The new kickstand spans the entire length of the back of the thing. Okay. And then it is fully adjustable oh that's so you much get to better choose exactly the position you want it to do be. you have to use a fucking lever and pulley system to get you, it out you do not <laughs> okay. you do not it's much easier to do uh but yeah the Nintendo switch is just such a cool system mm-hmm. nothing does like nothing does can compete with it because it does something so right different in the market the games are clearly like the nintendo quality games are all if i pick up a game that is published by nintendo i know i'm getting a quality mm-hmm. product like that it just it is what it is like that's just the, the level of games they put out and they also for some reason understand wizardry like i agree that third party games aren't necessarily the best on the switch because people third party developers right. don't really understand how to leverage that hardware well, and nintendo also since they're I had it's them. cheaper and they they the, the, you don't get any performance boost that way sure mm-hmm. Uh, the Nintendo Switch OLED, if you are playing in handheld, is the best handheld Switch to have. Okay. It feels better. It feels like a more premium console. Oh, interesting. Uh, the dock is actually much nicer. So the dock that they have for the Nintendo Switch OLED uh, has an Ethernet port, and it is just constructed better. Interesting. Hey, don't you also have a Steam Deck? I do not have a Steam Deck. Oh, I've been I thought th- you did. I've been thinking about getting a Steam Deck. Yeah, I was cur- I'm was. i curious how those two compare, because when you said nothing compares to it, I'm like, well, kind of, well, the so Steam Deck. The Steam Deck does... The thing with... One, is the Steam Deck doesn't have Joy-Cons. Sure. And that is a big part. And also, people are really don't like Joy-Cons because of the drift. I get it. No worries. 
But I figured out how to fix the drift on mine, and now I don't care. Nice. Yeah, I figured it out too. You send it in, and they fix it for uh, free. No, I, I got a, I got a cleaning kit. Um, oh, okay. You void your warranty that way. I do. I, I think that the <laughs> Steam Deck fills a different niche. Yeah. If so you're someone like Robbie and you don't have a gaming PC, I think a Steam Deck is the best way to play PC games right now. If you are mm-hmm. not in PC gaming at sure, all, sure. Yeah. It is the it's a best, much cheaper solution. Well, and a, it's the best bang for your buck because you're playing all of these games really well. You're playing Elden Ring at 60 frames per second. You're playing all of these games <laughs> really well, and then you get full access to the Steam library. Yeah. And there is technically a dock. You're obviously not going to get the same power as you know a full gaming PC sure. for you know 1080p gaming. But, but you're but also it, not spending fifteen hundred dollars. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I would. Uh, suggest people get a Steam Deck if that's something they really want. Yeah, I think want. I want it. A lot of the people I follow, like I kind of paid attention to like the game reviewers who I tend to kind of jive with and a lot of them were cautious about the Steam Deck at first and so I kind of held off and all of them have said, yeah, everything we didn't like has been fixed so it's good now. I so, found myself, the only reason I didn't get a Steam Deck is it, that was one of my considerations was that I already have a PC Yeah. and if I'm going to pay something handheld right now, yeah. I'm going to be taking my Switch with me. That's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. That is the, the handheld console of my choice right now. Maybe, I also really, and this is maybe selfish and stupid, I really, really, really wanted the OLED for when Tears of the Kingdom comes out. Okay. And I wanted to play that on the OLED. You know, you kind of bring up something interesting, which is the Switch has now had a lifespan that is longer than typical consoles. And that's interesting because it doesn't actually feel like it's as old as it is. And yet it's seven years old. Yep. And typical lifespan is about five. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting. At some point, Nintendo's going to need a new console. And I'll, I'm guessing they have now found this is the niche we have to live in. We're going to make a... a like it's, I don't, well, Nintendo if, historically has, this console is very different from this console and this console is very different from this console. I'd imagine that they've now found the niche where the next thing just needs to be an evolution of the Switch, a more powerful Switch. A it's, Super Nintendo right, Switch is correct, what they need. Correct. And it's interesting because Nintendo had also, they like cannibalized their own market because mm-hmm. Nintendo had cornered the handheld, the handheld market. They were the only. They were. They had the <laughs> only skin in the game. The Nintendo DS at that point, the 3DS was the only handheld. The yep. PS Vita was dead. Any other real handhelds were dead, and then they cannibalized their own their own market and they combined their console and handheld markets together into one system. Yeah. In their benefit, though, right. that system sold like gangbusters right. and is you know yes. the best selling Nintendo system of all time. What I would like them to figure out is a way to have the switch be dual screen if possible like because i don't want i don't want games that force dual screen for gimmick reasons but games that may took warioware ad- right games that took advantage of dual screen on the ds and the wii u intelligently like like um like uh, between one- worlds uh, sure uh, that's a good one and also one that comes to mind is um the original super mario maker yeah those mm. games have been left behind by the fact that there is no two screen console anymore I would like if they would figure out a way that I can. Oh, I see what you're saying. I can broadcast like I I have something going on on my switch. I have something going on on my. TV. Oh, you have your switch in your and hand I'm, and it's docked. Right now, like, I don't want every Wi-Fi game. Docks. I don't want every game to be that. But I would sure. like if they figured out that functionality. Um, if only because then they can port DS games to the console mm-hmm. and Wii U games. Um, I swear to God, I have been waiting for years to play Wind Waker. And 
they just will not release it on the Nintendo Switch, and it makes me angry every day. I went. I want to replay Wind Waker. I like Wind Waker way less. You want to borrow one of our Wii U's? I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> I like my Wii U. It's just now set up in another room on an underpowered TV. Um, right. I want. I want Wind Waker on my Switch so I can play it on my TV or play it in kickstand mode or play it. And I like Wind Waker less than Soundlord, but I want to replay it. I want to replay Twilight Princess as well. I would love if they just just release a combo pack of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, and then I can play almost every single Zelda game on my Switch. And what do you think Nintendo is, Bethesda? <laughs> Here's Skyrim V twenty seven on the Nintendo Switch. On the Nintendo <laughs> Switch, yes. <laughs> yes. This time with more vampires. Uh... I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required at MCU Retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash assembly required. Join our Patreon exclusive Discord. Come chat with us. Listen to our uh, monthly bonus episodes. And a huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. Uh, shout out to Adrian for sending us these mic stands. We really appreciate it. Now, if you want to email the show, you can. AssemblyRequiredCast at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at AssemblyCast. Follow some of us on Twitter individually at ABCDEduardo1 for myself, PhilKid3 for Robbie. Follow Peaches over at twitch.tv slash P-E-A-C-H-3-Z. That's going to do it for myself, for Robbie, for Peaches. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Does someone say Excelsius? Bubbly, bubbly. I do think that was a good and fun episode. It's just the movie sucks.